evening. Now, I know I'm relatively new here, but I think we can do a little better than that. Good evening. That's a little better. Um, so, for those of you who don't know who I am, despite the fact that Andy made me and Addy stand up two Sundays in a row, my name's Jameson Keff. I'm the male intern for the summer, and I just finished my freshman year at Freed Hardeman, and I'm currently studying engineering. Um, so far, it's been going pretty good. Uh, been a bit of a challenge, though. Um, I know that this morning, if you were here, Jesse mentioned uh, Andy's out of town, so y'all are stuck with me and him, uh, him this morning, me now. Uh, he mentioned he was the lowest man of the totem pole, so I'm not quite sure what that makes me. Um, but for those of you who are guests, uh, I'd like to personally thank you for coming tonight. You could be anywhere, uh, but you chose to be here worshiping with us. And if you'd like to place membership, uh, we can try to get those conversations going. Um, and finally, I'd just like to thank you all uh, uh, for allowing me to be the intern this summer. It's been a blessing. And uh, personally, I'm really excited to see how the rest of the summer goes uh, now that we're past camp. And camp, camp was an awesome week. If you had your kids there, uh, I'm sure they could tell you it was awesome. Uh, surely, definitely a blessing in my life, despite all the uh, rain and stuff we had. Um, but uh, we did have some nice weather on Thursday, and we even could see, uh, had a nice, beautiful sunset uh, for our last worship, uh, where you could see all the way uh, to some of the buildings in Nashville. Um, so when Andy approached me about speaking this evening, uh, he kind of gave me the option of either uh, go, continuing on with the look series or uh, kind of just doing uh, something else. And uh, personally, once he kind of explained what the series looked like, I, uh, I had one story in my mind uh, where Jesus uh, interacts with an individual in the Bible. Um, but before we get into that, I want to do a little exercise with you all. Um, so I'm going to show some pictures up on the screen, and I just want you to think about, like, what emotion uh, that picture elicits in your mind or kind of um, what, what exactly, maybe like a word that you associate with that. So let's start off. So the first one is school. Uh, if you're under the age of roughly 25 or so, school might be something of dread for you. Uh, you probably don't enjoy always going uh, despite having friends and stuff there. Uh, but there are times when it's fun. If you're above that age or have kids in school, it might be a nice little break during the day where you don't have to deal with your kids. All right, so next. Uh, this one, I don't know about you, but for me personally, this one is not a fan. Not a big fan at all uh, for a really long time. But on October 15th of this past year, they changed things. Uh, it was a really, really, really awesome Saturday. Uh, probably won't forget that ever. Um, this this one I am a fan of. So next, uh, we have a car. Uh, so me personally, I kind of enjoy um, messing with my vehicle. I'm not the most knowledgeable by any means. I wouldn't by any means say I'm a mechanic. But I do enjoy looking at a cool car. So when I see pictures of car, this is specifically my dream car, um, I get some excitement. I, I get filled with some joy. And then finally, Star Wars. I don't know about y'all, but Star Wars, Star Wars can, has been a bit of a tricky subject in more recent years. But from a young age, I was always fascinated with Star Wars. Um, started from uh, when my uncle let me borrow his VHS tapes. 
uh, of the original movies, and I sat down and watched them all, and it was awesome because those are exactly how they were when they came out. Uh, not changed at all. And then, you know, I would dress up for Halloween as some of my favorite characters, and I would play Lego Star Wars on my Nintendo Wii, and I'd watch all the movies and shows as they would come out. And I even, on my senior trip, uh, I went to Disney World. And if you all know anything about Disney, they bought Star Wars. And eventually they added a whole section in one of their parks that's Star Wars themed. If you're a Star Wars fan, that's pretty freaking awesome. And so for my senior trip, I was like, man, I've got to get, I've got to get the, uh, the perfect souvenir. So I just had to get... One of these. All right, like, some of you might roll your eyes when you see it. You might think it's really nerdy or whatever. But I think it's pretty, pretty cool. Because no one else has got something like this. All jokes aside, Star Wars has been a pretty big part of my life since I was a young, young kid. Star Wars is a story about good versus evil. Jedi versus Sith, Rebels versus the Empire. Uh, if you watch those new movies that aren't as good, the Resistance versus the First Order. Um, it's always been a story about good versus evil. But a little deeper than that, Star Wars has also always been a story about redemption. Sorry. There's one specific character that comes to mind when, you think, when I think about redemption in Star Wars. And that's Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. Now, at first glance, I would say these two guys don't look anything alike. But you might be surprised to know that they're actually the same character. One's good and one's bad, though. Anakin, in some of the movies, um, he's the hero. He's the good guy. He's the one you're always rooting for. But eventually, um, he takes a fall from grace and becomes a villain for uh, the rest of the movies. But at the end of his story in the movies, he makes a flip-flop decision. He decides to turn away from villainy, from evil, um, nefarious deeds, and he decides to do what's right and sacrifice himself for the good of everything else. Um, and this may be a stretch, but to me, this kind of parallels the story of Saul in the Bible. See, Saul was kind of a bad dude. Uh, but eventually, things got turned around for him. Um, so we're going to look at Acts chapter 7. To start off, we're going to, that's, that's where we'll start off tonight. That's uh, Saul's introduction to us in the Bible. So we're going to be looking at Acts seven fifty-seven through 60. Again, that's Acts seven fifty-seven through 60. And I will be reading uh, from the NIV version. All right. Acts 7, 57 through 60. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul while they were stoning him. Well, excuse me. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. And then a little tagline that I noticed in my print Bible, but didn't really see in some other places, is that after that, before 
uh, chapter 8 starts, and it says, And Saul approved of their killing of him. So right off the bat, when we see our introduction to Saul, we, we kind of get an idea, Saul's not really a guy you would want to mess with if you were a Christian at the time. He's kind of a, like a bad dude, almost like a villain, uh, you, you might would say. So um, when we see his introduction, we see he's a bad dude, but we don't, we don't see it stop there. Um, you don't have to turn there, but if you were to go and look in chapter 8 of Acts, you would see that Saul, Saul continues his killing of Christians and his persecution where he weakens the early church um, by killing its members. However, if you know anything about Saul, you know that this is not, this is not where he, his story ends. He doesn't remain as someone uh, who persecutes the church. Um, as a matter of fact, Saul ends up becoming one of the biggest proclaimers of the gospel. He takes at least three missionary journeys uh, all across um, the Mediterranean, and he even is accredited for writing half of the New Testament books. So, if you don't mind me asking, how on earth could someone like Saul become someone so renowned for spreading the gospel? So, I mean, how does someone that bad become someone so devoted to doing good? That's, that's a pretty big jump. Um, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Saul even um, uh, kind of puts a, puts, gives us an idea of how he views himself. Uh, it reads, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am worst. Not, not part of the worst, not one of the worst, worst. And in other translations... Saul refers to himself as the chief of all sinners. Um, chief, chief's a pretty big title uh, when you're going to refer to yourself like that. So we're going to continue on. If you'll turn over a few pages to Acts chapter 9, we're going to kind of see what causes this change in Saul's attitude and Saul's character. So, um, and I, I think this uh, passage is super interesting because this not only is this the start of Saul's change, uh, we see Saul's world just completely flipped upside down um, in, in his ideology and in, in his ideas. So if you'll go to Acts chapter 9, uh, we'll, we'll go and read uh, verse 1, and we'll stop around halfway through verse 5. Uh, so, cha- uh, so verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for him to send letters to synagogues in Damascus so so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who, and then Saul responded, who are you, Lord? So, if we're going to take a look at this, one thing I want to point out, point out is um, this, this is the exact moment where Saul's life changes for the rest of his life. This here, where Jesus intervenes, that is the change. That is the moment I want to look at. But, um, putting myself in Saul's shoes, I cannot imagine something... Um, 
that would be so sudden and catching me off guard. Um, I mean, just imagine you're, let's say you're traveling down to Sparta. You're going to go out to eat with your family or whatever it is. And suddenly, a big light surrounds your car and stops you dead in your tracks. And you hear a voice uh, coming from seemingly nowhere. Uh, that would probably catch all of us off guard. Uh, despite, despite this uh, surprise, I guess you would call it, um, Saul is aware that he's in some divine presence. Uh, as a matter of fact, Saul refers to Jesus as Lord with a capital L. Uh, now in the Bible, if you're not aware, there's multiple meanings of the word Lord, kind of depending on how it's spelt. So when you see Lord, all lowercase, that's really just referring to some man uh, with a title. It's not anything too important. When you see Lord in all uppercase, um, that's the stand-in uh, for the translation of the name of God, uh, which is the letters W-H or Y-H-W-H. Um, they, the Israelites refused to spell it with vowels because they were afraid of having it wrong. Um, so no one actually really knows how it's spelled. So in translations, we see it as Lord in all caps. But when you see the word written as Lord with a capital L, it's just another way to refer to God. Uh, it's not necessarily his name, but it's just in reference to, to God. So we'll continue back in the middle of uh, verse 5, uh, and we'll go through 9. I am Jesus who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard a sound, but they did not see anybody. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. So they led him by hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now I know I just mentioned how when Saul got stopped on the road, it was quite the surprise. Um, But I can't imagine how I would handle being in this situation. Um, Suddenly you're stopped in the middle of your tracks on your way to go persecute some Christians. Uh, You're blinded by a light, and then you're told to go into the city where you'll receive more instructions. Uh, If it were me, I would probably think I'm going crazy and need to see someone for some help. Um, But despite this, Saul responds in a very appropriate way, if you ask me. Uh, Saul does something called fasting. And if you've ever heard of fasting, you might have an idea. Uh, It's essentially where you kind of um, hold off eating and drinking. Um, But it's not just for the sake of uh, that, because if that were the case, I'd be fasting all the time, so that way I can lose a little bit of weight. Um, The purpose of fasting is to help to focus one's mind on God. In fact, um, looking kind of at what Jesse was talking to us this morning... Fasting almost puts you in kind of a spiritual thin place. Um, helps you get closer with God. Um, so this fits very well with what we know about Saul. Um, Saul, Saul isn't just persecuting Christians for the sake of killing uh, people. He's a very devout individual to the Jewish faith. Uh, Saul sees them as liars, as blasphemers, as people mocking the Jewish faith, and in turn, mocking God. Um, it's really the same way as people viewed uh, Jesus at the crucifixion. Saul was always a religious individual. Uh, 
bef- before he turned uh, and was converted into a Christian. Um, so uh, before we continue reading, just keep that in mind, uh, that Saul, uh, Saul wasn't just doing this because he's some bad dude, uh, which he was. He was doing this because he believed this was right. So picking up in verse 10, um, we'll go through the end of the passage through uh, verse 19. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go, excuse me, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for the man, a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come to, his, come to him and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports of this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority of the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and all the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who has appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me that you may see again. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and taking some food, he regained his strength. Um, Not something I want to focus on too much, but something I want to point out. Ananias is a pretty brave dude. Uh, I would not have been as eager to go to some guy who was killing all all the people who were like me. I might would have been a bit more like Jonah in that situation. But, because uh, Saul, Saul did not have a good reputation with Christians at the time. And even Ananias points this out as he's having uh, his uh, conversation with God in his vision. Yet, Ananias still listens and goes anyways. When he finds Saul, I can only imagine that he's also caught off guard, just as Saul was, by what he finds. Uh, he, instead of finding this Christian killer, he finds a man who's blind, fasting, and once he's regained his sight, eager to be baptized. Now, if you took Saul from a few chapters ago, kind of explained this whole story, and told him that this was going to happen, this was inevitable, nothing, nothing about this uh, can be changed, um, Saul would probably be pretty appalled, and even angry for the fact that you even suggested uh, that that could be the case. This was a twist that pretty much no one at the time could have seen coming. In fact, um, later on we see uh, Saul kind of going and meeting with other Christians and apostles, and a lot of people are still really skeptical, uh, despite the fact that um, this has all occurred. This was part of God's grand design. God calls Saul his chosen instrument to proclaim his name. God picked Saul for a very specific reason. Uh, as I mentioned already, and something I kind of asked you to th- keep your mind on, Saul was a very uh, devout individual to the Jewish faith. He had passion, great zeal, and was a strong leader. Um, all these qualities sound good, but before, Saul was using them to uh, you know, stop the spread of the gospel, to harm others. 
once we see um, once we see his conversion happen, all these qualities become tools of Saul to spread the gospel. Um, throughout his missionary journeys, uh, Saul, uh, after going by his Roman name Paul, um, uses his abilities to adapt to the environment um, and prevail through hardship to spread the word. In Acts 14, we see that Saul or that Paul was stoned to the point that even the people stoning him thought he was dead. In Acts 17, we see that he uses the Greeks' belief in uh, multiple gods to explain the gospel by referring to their unknown god. And in 2 Corinthians 11, he refers to three different times that he was shipwrecked. And on several occasions, um, Paul was also found himself in prison. God made this man that some might have thought was too far gone uh, and turned him into one of the biggest examples we have in the New Testament, aside from Jesus Christ, of course. And it can be really easy, I think, to look at this story and uh, get disconnected from it, seeing as it did happen a really long time ago. This was during the first century uh, of the church, and uh, for some, it might just seem like a story, despite the fact that it is historical fact. Um, And even if that's not the case for you, uh, even if this story does inspire you to change or to do better um, how long will it really inspire you for a week maybe two weeks a month maybe who knows Um, so because of that I want to take a look at someone else's story Um, someone who is a lot more familiar I think uh, to many of us here tonight Uh, it's another story about redemption Uh, for those of you who may not know Uh, On Wednesday night at camp, when we had our worship service, uh, our speaker uh, was was, uh, Matt Miller. Matt Miller is a really, really interesting dude with a really interesting story. Um, But, uh, so, Matt uh, grew up in California, and he grew up going to church. His dad was a Baptist preacher, um, so... The way he learned about the gospel was that once you're saved, you're always saved. It doesn't matter what you do, you'll, you'll get into heaven. So because of this, um, he kind of let, let things get away from him. He got into some pretty, pretty bad stuff. He got into drug dealing and alcohol. Um, he eventually moved into the Tennessee area around the time he was in like late middle school. And eventually he went, went on to play some college football. College football, that was his dream. He, he was a really good ball player. He always wanted to play football. Um, but despite the fact that this is his dream, this is the one thing he's always wanted to achieve, he let drugs, alcohol, and women get in the way of that. Eventually, he had to quit um, through various circumstances. But like Saul, that's not where Matt's story ends. He doesn't end as a college dropout uh, who deals drugs and, um, got, um, and had lots of women in his life. Eventually, uh, him, along with one of his friends, uh, who also had to turn their life around, started going to church again because they knew that if they continued down this path, 
things just would not turn out well for them. So they start going to church, and in 2010, Matt was baptized and saved. Um, But, like Saul, um, Matt has used his story to go around and he'll speak at events such as like CYC and EU, events that our youth group has gone on. And he even has come to our church camp. Um, He's come to my church camp, the one I went to growing up. I know he's come to Putnam County Week several times. He's used his story and uh, his experiences to help bring others to the gospel because he doesn't want anyone else to end up the way he ended up. He doesn't want anyone else to reach such a low point in life that they know if they don't get things turned around that something, something terrible is going to happen. While the world wanted Matt to become a drug dealer and an alcoholic, God had other plans. God had a plan for Matt. Um, God knew that if Matt could just get to church and, 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 get, and receive the gospel, that he would become a big proclaimer of the word. Just like Matt and Saul, God has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for every single person. Now, I can't tell you exactly what that looks like, but I do know this. God's plan for us includes salvation. Salvation through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And if God can use a man like Matt and like Saul, someone who could be considered too far gone, if God can use those men and have those men make a big flip-flop in their life, then he can use every single one of us. Now, I'm not sure if baptism is on your mind. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I'm sure there's something on your heart right now. Maybe you think that you need to change up your lifestyle. Um, Maybe maybe you just have some bad things going on in your life. Um, I'm not sure what it is. But like Matt, like Saul, um, we can all be forgiven. Um, So if there's anything on your heart tonight, uh, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.